Blog Talk Radio. Tonight's guests include the exotic youth and the wrestler of the year, a man who I think he may have even had a better this year this year than last, Joe Black. But none of this happens without this man, the lovely, the wonderful Stephen Platinum, that's me, and joining me <laughs> is Larry Goodman. How are you doing tonight, Larry? I am doing well, getting ready to head to Chicago tomorrow for the uh, oh boy. Christmas festivities with Mom. They'll be doing the, the traditional Swedish supper. If you've never had potato sausage, you don't know what you what is, what is going on with that? Please describe that. Well, I mean, it's, it, you know, a lot of people would say it's that Swedish food in general is bland, and I would tend to agree with them. But um, Swedish the potato sausage is just a, it is it is it's a sausage that has some potato in it and it's 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 hard to find and you basically cook it we at least we always did as as part of the Christmas celebration and then you have lingonberries and rice pudding and the the fun thing is I, I've my mom has showed me the old family recipe so I'm I'm actually going to be the one cooking it so that's going to be that's going to be kind of fun oh making it happen. Yeah, that as sounds, best as I can. That sounds pretty delightful, actually. I, You know, this week, my week is always crazy and varied. Um, so tomorrow I go to Clearwater to uh, help one of my clients out with a bunch of different things, one of which is wrestling-related. So if we actually get that done, I'll let you know what that is. But it's very fascinating. Oh, intriguing, and then, intriguing. And then I got asked to be on this panel to evaluate a show currently in production that's about to release its third season. But it's quite a controversial show, and I signed an NDA, so I can't give many details. But they wanted me to sort of vulture a few shows from season two and then comment on where I think they need to go in season three and how they can improve things. So, again, I always let I, – I, yeah, I, especially because it's – I mean, I'll just – you know, it's it's like an Asian thing. And so they definitely wanted to have me there with my sort of opinions about it. So um, that's never boring, right? Whenever I thought, like, work was going to dry up, then, you know, I got inundated with stuff. Um, so that I'm, I'm happy for that most certainly. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I'm – I'm happy for this show because these are guys that I've wanted to have on, and lo and behold, we get all of them on the same night. The entire Exotic Youth and Joe Black 
on the same night. So this this should be good. Certainly, too. I mean, Joe Black is going to be up for Wrestler of the Year. Um, I think Exotic Youth. It's probably a reasonably safe bet that they're going to be up for Tag Team and or Group of the Year. Um, so it'll be great to hear from those guys. Um, their paths cross from time to time, but for the most part, I think between those two groups, with Joe Black and Exotic Youth, they probably pretty much cover the cover the gambit of um, promotions in the state of Georgia. They really get around and have done great work at a lot of different places, so it'll be fun to talk to them. Yes, and if Exotic Youth isn't nominated for in the tag team stable, then these nominations are rigged. If, if, if they don't get <laughs> I see you have been um, that. Yeah, I mean, if I see some variation of that phrase one more time, of you know, so but most of the time people say for the winners, like you know, if so and so doesn't win, it's rigged, and I just go, the boys vote, the boys vote. So that is what it is, you know. Yell at yell at the boys. Don't yell at me about that, but. Um, this year it's just definitely going to be heated up and it's going to be crazy. So what did you want to talk about before we have the exotic youth well, on, Larry? A, a quick update on the Super Star Wars wrestling mm. uh, business with all the financial problems that came out of that show. Um, I understand um, that guys are now starting to get paid. I don't know that everybody's been paid. I don't know the details, but but some guys are getting paid. And apparently, at least one of those checks did clear from the show, but the, the great majority of them did not. And I'm not sure that any more than one cleared of the checks that went to town. But anyway, guys are starting to get paid now is the word I've gotten. So that's a good thing. Something I thought about, Larry, because, I mean, part of the reason that checks clear was because they got stopped, right? Oh yeah, that that that's so, all all the reason. <laughs> so wrestlers, wrestlers, hear me now. Are are they listening? Yeah, I think they are. Um, we are in 2021. If you get a check, deposit that bitch digitally through your freaking bank's app immediately. <laughs> Uh, this this idea that you have to even trot it down to the ATM and deposit it is a thing of the past. I have now taken to, because I have a couple of clients who pay via check because I don't know the Flintstones. I don't know why the hell they pay by check, but they do. And I, right in front of them, I will put that check down and I will literally digitally deposit it. So it's, if you don't know how to do that, do that, and now you know why. Because I guarantee you the one guy who got his check through did that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I should uh, actually find out if that's what he did. I know I who bet it is. you that's what happened. Because you know that why would they not have stopped that one and, along with all the others? They yes, just didn't it, stop it in time. <laughs> as we talked about a while back, something that happened with, with the uh, uh, organization I worked for would tend to indicate that you can you can get by with shit depositing them uh, electronically like that's your bank that you can't get by with taking it anywhere else. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yes, absolutely. So a little pro tip from, from the Goodman and the Platinum. So. <laughs> <laughs> the other little little tidbit I picked up on is that uh, Pro South has something in the works, which we will not know until we get into 2022, of uh, – 
something that's something's brewing as far as bringing somebody in for a special appearance. Yeah. Not like you know, like a super duper 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 name. I don't think, and I, the name has not been revealed. But they they will be announcing something coming into the new year okay. of, of a special appearance. We'll see what that is. I saw and, uh, a thing where they where they were they were already talking about the show that they're going to do on I guess New Year's Eve twelve thirty one. So oh, they are going to run a, on twelve thirty one. I thought they weren't running until the seventh of January. Oh well, you scooped oh, me up there. Yeah, I didn't know they were going to run these lunatics, Larry lunatics. So because yeah, I was wow. I was I hopped on Facebook to walk one more time to see how. Uh, Patrick, how uh, Hayden Young's uh, Tap House was doing, because today was their official opening at 2. Yeah. And so I wanted to kind of catch that, and I saw that thing by ProSouth, so. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Great. Pretty great. Pretty so uh, great. tell me what your, uh, we got We got a couple minutes here. What's What are your thoughts on the recent ratings pattern with the SmackDown, Raw, AEW shows? Because uh, you, I know you follow this stuff closely, and I know I, I just saw the raw ratings from Monday night were again um, poor. You know, ne- again down near their lowest ever. Uh, well, ratings. and what's gonna what's gonna be interesting is tonight the NFL is actually running, um, and so NXT in attempt to counter has sent AJ Styles there to go up against Grayson Waller. And yes, God they're still damn. trying to make Grayson Waller a thing. <laughs> <laughs> you, and, we um, talked about I just don't I just oh God. I don't get it. Okay. I don't but boy, they're gonna guy. they're going to I mean that tree has been debarked but they're just gonna keep on going. <laughs> um but uh you know I, I think with Dynamite Dynamite is the one that I think is insulated the most because they're they're hovering around the 900,000 mark and they're going to TBS January 5th. And I think that alone will boost them. Um I've already seen ads on TBS for it. So they're clearly like laying a nice foundation there. Um Rampage, thank goodness has been trickling up. Um you know that's a that's a that's good news, but again, these shows continue to place very highly in terms of a demo number and in terms of their spot on the cable lineup. That's the part that they're not worried about. NXT is the show that's an utter disaster as far as their placement in the top fifty and that kind of thing. Uh, SmackDown has been spiking up a little bit. And I, think I saw they did a, very well uh, mm-hmm. this last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, two. Uh, you know, which which is a tribute to how over that Roman Reigns Brock Lesnar stuff is. They're really mm-hmm. doing a stellar job. They're really keeping that interesting. A couple people I saw had their feathers ruffled about the Heyman like getting kicked out of the group thing. One, come on. There's a coin flip chance that that is some kind of master deception. But more than that. You gotta keep it fresh. You gotta keep it new, and uh, you know they're doing such a. It, it just goes to show how important star power is to a show, isn't it? Um, yeah. It's all about star power, and um, you know, I did. I, I as for Raw, I said this last Raw was one of the best ones they've done, but it's still a bad show. 
So <laughs> until it's they low fix bar. that, <laughs> right? Like I said, you know, damning with faint praise. Um, it's it's such a bad show, and more than that, it's an it's an unengaging show. SmackDown, I get the appeal. Um, NXT though is another show that I feel like uh, I don't I don't know how many people are gonna be left watching by the time they establish all of these things they're trying to establish. Um, mm-hmm. It seems like they're they're at the crowd that they're just gonna have. Um, an interesting thing about NXT though, and this goes for Raw and SmackDown as well, is their difficulty in getting live crowds to show up. It just goes I've to show their their, yeah. their viewers are casual viewers and not invested. I mean, they went from they used to charge when we used to go, right yeah. at full sale. They raised the ticket prices depending on who was going to be there. So if they're going to have CM Punk or John Cena or the Shield return, they would double the ticket prices, um, and they would still be packed. I would still have to use connections just to get in the door. Um, but then now um, that place holds around 400. I've been told. And Jesus, and you know, for the pay-per-view, they were okay um, for war games, but every yeah. other show, they've been hovering around 180, and they give the tickets away. And oh my! Now, like, now they pay for ads to get people to come to the show, and it's yeah, still not I saw working. that. I saw that, mm-hmm. and it was very obvious on the last show how low the crowd was. The live crowd, yeah. Which is, which is shocking. I mean, that's really shocking, right? You can just, I mean, it's right in the heart of Orlando. You can just go there um, and go see a show. And apparently they do a lot of, like, fun stuff after the show. There's, like, there's a lot of reasons to go if you gave half a crap, but people don't. And I, I think that that's going to be a very interesting story in 2022, even with Georgia Indies and Florida Indies, but especially with the national scene is as things feel like they're shrinking a little bit, it's going to come down to who are your hardcores. AEW we know will be able to get a higher dollar per fan amount out of their fans. That's what Mm -hmm. keeps them afloat, right? We can count on selling out shows. We can count on a high degree of interest they're going to do this three-day festival thing again in Orlando, and here's an easy prediction: it's going to do very well. You know, it's going to do incredibly well. And with the WWE, at some point, you just feel like, my God, do people don't care. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure they'll still turn out for WrestleMania. Of course they will. They're not going away, but I just can't help but feel like. Man, this is it's it's rough. I mean, when you can't get people to show up for a national television taping for free, I mean, my yeah. God, right? And so. and um, and did, did you tell me that uh, Full Gear came in or was looking to come in at about one hundred twenty-five thousand buys? Yeah. Yes. Not bad. Not bad. Again, I mean, just to put that in scale and proportion, uh, TNA slash Impact, their highest drawing pay-per-view that they ever had at $40 was um, 
60,000 buys. AEW has never had less than 100,000. Mm-hmm. So, and they've charged 50 to 60. So they're doing fine in that sense. Now, we would love the ratings to be higher. Of course, of course you would. You always would. But, again, that's one of those things where they're competing against WWE's fan base. I mean, people don't want to say this. It's habitual watchers. Like, that's what they've got is they're just the industry leaders. If if AEW's strategy of continuing to find ways to break into the mainstream, continue to find ways to be more important – what I do know is that it is the WWE who imitates AEW, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. AEW has rappers and cool celebrities who show up to the show because they want to see it. WWE has been now paying rappers. That's another underground tip I got for you guys. Like now they're trying to pay whatever the hip cool rappers are to show up at their shows. Because they, they see that AEW, they see that tide turning of they're the hip act, right? Um, And those kind of things, these are all long-term effect kind of things, right? Um, But, I mean, how long is it going to be before a true A-list celebrity wants to be at an AEW something or other? And they get to start harping on that. How long before Kardashian shows up or Ariana Grande or whatever, you know? We we got our guests here, but here's here's how I handle Raw. I tape Rampage on Friday night because usually I'm not available to watch it when it's on. I can't handle Raw anymore. I watch the Rampage. That's 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 my solution. Uh, we've got a bunch of people here. I, this could be oh all of exotic youth. Let's find out. I'm going to just bring them all on here at once and let's see what we got. Let's hope we're right. Well, should we do a roll call, Larry? Is this a, do we have all? Yes, do the, do a roll call, Steve, please. Do we have Do we have Zach Mosley on the line? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Do we have Bryce Cannon on the line? Present. <laughs> do we have Cornelius Pepperbottom on the line? Where's he at? Oh, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> and do we do we do I dare ask? Do we have Candy Cannoli on the line? I am here. Hello, guys. Uh, oh Uh-oh. my goodness! Oh my Wonder. goodness! Welcome, welcome, exotic youth to the tipping point at long last. How is everybody doing? Absolutely fantastic! It's a long time coming. I'm doing phenomenal. I'm on my third gallon of eggnog today. <laughs> I'm in the I'm an eggnog guy. <laughs> I'm definitely an eggnog guy. All right. Um, gosh. All right. Let's let's uh I've got a question. I'm gonna ask this question of Cornelius Pepperbottom. Uh oh. Um, how in the hell did you hook up with those guys? What's your relationship with Zach? with Bryce Cannon, with Candy. How are you, how did you get to be in the band? Oh, gosh. Um, well, of course, you know, me and Zach are trained by the legendary Robert Gibson. And uh, it was probably about my, I don't know, a month in, and then Zach decided to take me under his wing as his manager. 
So I've been riding with him for about the past two years. And then Bryce, we actually met through uh, the Coastal Empire Wrestling down in Savannah. Mm. Fun fact, all all three of us hated each, hated each other. Me and Zach hated Bryce, and Bryce hated me and Zach. <laughs> and then we actually met, and it was like becoming best friends all in one moment. Excellent. Oh, yeah, it was perfect. Yep. Larry. And Candy, I'm... Candy, of course, got brought in by the Peachtree Mafia at KLT as a gift for Zach Mosley <clears throat> and the rest of the history. Yes. So a, a match made in heaven, I would say, but I had a question for Candy. Did you get dragged kicking and screaming into the wrestling business, or have you always been a fan? I was not a fan before um, I was with, before coming in and being a part of it and everything, but now I love it. I've grown to watch it with Zach all the time, and it's part of my life now. My God, she's insane. She knows it sometimes. <laughs> Zach, I was thinking about this earlier today, um, how you guys, um, the four of you together, strangely remind me of Hit Row in the sense that there's something distinctly cool about your thing. Obviously, you've got the three guys and one woman thing, but unlike Hit Row, you've really forged this thing entirely yourselves. You guys have made – you guys get bookings all over the place. Did you imagine when this whole thing was coming together that it would go this well? Or, I mean, just be honest. Did you ever conceive that you guys would be the talk of of Georgia wrestling in a lot of ways? I mean, really a lot of it happened by accident because to begin with it was just me and Pepperbottom, and he was, like, just net, just starting out getting his first few matches and stuff in. But then when we were introduced to Bryce, um, we had just started doing Exotic Youth maybe a month or two before that and kind of had an angle going in Savannah that hooked us all up. But, I mean, really, I never would have imagined that it ended up like this. I mean, I knew that we all three had something to offer, and I knew that people were into all three of us separately for different reasons. Yeah. But I didn't realize the chemistry that we would have because really, I mean, last year we were nominated for Tag Team of the Year before we ever even, Bryce and I ever even tagged. We had one six-man as the three of us, and I had teamed with Pepperbottom a couple times. But So there was already kind of like some buzz because we would do videos and we started like our own podcast and stuff. So we really just marketed the hell out of it, really. Yeah. Yes. So did, question, did you come in? To the year, each of you, did you come into the year with specific goals? And if you did, did you achieve them? Of course. I mean, we all, I mean, as a team, I mean, we uh, we all agreed, you know, we want to be the talk of Georgia, not only Georgia, but we also want to branch out to different states. And I think that we've, like, exceeded our goals, to be honest, as a team. I mean, yeah. I couldn't have imagined winning tag titles all over the state and in other states. <laughs> Uh, you know, much less, you know, being the talk of all of those states. So, I mean, I definitely think that we exceeded everybody's expectations uh, and our our own expectations, to be honest. Yeah, yeah definitely. 
I, I remember seeing Bryce um, like on show up at PCW shows, and you know you're kind of teaming with Eddie Hancho and the frat paddle oh, thing. Don't mention and, that. Don't mention uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> but but I remember, you know, I try to stay out of PCW business, which I know people don't believe, but I actually do. I try to stay out of it as much as possible. I sort of consult and help. Um, but then I re- I remember specifically calling Matt Griffin and going, uh, Bryce Cannon like tell me what's going on and so he told me and he went why and i went i was like that that's that's the guy like i knew it so like at the <laughs> second i was like love the shtick i would watch a match or two and i would go like i'm like he's he's just got a thing and then of course with with zach i mean when i saw you know the stuff that you did with skrilla on that phone thing i mean you and candy like i I was so blown away. I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure you remember. There was something about yeah, it. Yeah, I saw it. I thing. saw it live when you were saying that you were going to review it in the morning, and you were like in the process of doing it then and like planning it all out. So it was crazy because we were like, okay, we know people are going to be watching this tomorrow. Yeah, and I mean, it just felt. I mean, when I would talk to people that know what the hell they're talking about in wrestling, um, one of them said this, and they were like. It's very 2021 or whenever I looked mm. at it. They, they said, it's, you know, I don't quite understand it, but that's what makes it cooler. And that's another reason I would compare you guys to like sort of Hit Row, where I think Hit Row was too authentic and edgy for what WWE could even conceive. Like, I'm sure they yeah. looked at it and just went like, I don't get their look. And I went, I don't either. But I do know that they look like the rappers that my kids listen to, not the rappers that I listen to. And I was like, and that's a great thing. And I think you guys are, I mean, because the obvious comparison is to, you know, um, the exotic ones. And you guys really are this, but you're not like them, but that, that kind of chemistry and the kind of way that things just seem to fit together and the aesthetic, all of that stuff to me really works. Um, is it, was there ever a concern that you guys would not get along or is there, or, or is there bumps on the road when this whole thing was coming together? Anybody who wants to answer that, please do. Um, I think, once we formed the group, I, I don't think there was any doubt that we'd all get along. But like I was saying earlier, back when uh, Coastal Empire Wrestling was first starting up and all the roster was being announced, uh, me and Zach and, of course, Bryce, we would just give each other hell. Like, we we did not like each other at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, once yeah, we got but... everything going and realized, like, kind of what we had – I don't think there was any doubt that we were going to make it work regardless of that, but it just so happened that we all got along really well too. So it worked. There was never really any issues with that. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing is like, we all have like different ways, like our brain works, which is great. Like different creative sides. So Zach will have one idea. Peps will chime in on that idea to add to that. And then I'll bring in something that most of the time doesn't work, but um, (laughs) but, uh, <laughs> no, but um, but I just think like us as a group, like even when calling a match, if we're popping ourselves in the back, we're gonna do it. Whether it makes us look stupid, whether it makes us look cool, I think 
that's yeah, the whole sure. idea of us is like if something if something pops us like we're gonna do it who cares if, it, if i can just if it, add uh, is really it funny quick. to someone else i think we've done a lot Go more ahead. stupid than cool <laughs> yeah i don't know about yeah that. i remember i remember one time uh, platinum was reviewing i think it was bryce's match with uh odom the ladder match and he was yeah. talking about how like we do a bunch of unconventional things and I think that's, like, one of the things that makes us stand out is, like, we're not scared to try different things that we haven't seen people do. Like, if it comes to mind, we'll just do it. And people are like, what the hell was that? So, I mean, people don't always know what to think of it, but they're always like, i got to keep looking at it. Nobody shows their ass more than you guys. Yeah. Nobody like, shows their ass more. And I think that that's <laughs> phenomenal, honestly. You know, there's way too much dignity. Like, everybody's got to be – look, if you're Joe Black, I get it, right? <laughs> like, that guy yeah. – I mean, that guy looks like he's fucking murdered you with both hands. But the exotic youth, whether it's the group temper tantrum – I mean, you know, when Candy's at ringside, she cracks me the shit up at, like, GIPW <laughs> and stuff. It's just like – and and they're the you know she's the one that the old ladies go after. I mean, so it's like everybody oh, yeah. has their part, everybody has their role, and whether it's Pepper Bottom wearing the most uncomfortable clothing because it's the most ridiculous, <laughs> or whatever it is, you know. I mean, that one that was riding the the glittery thing. I was like, wow. That that um, is the itchiest thing I've ever worn in my life. But I do it for the people. Tell, tell us about it, because people might not know as I know what that uh, thing is. I have is. A, it's a, it's a little sequin romper. It's one of the ones where when you, like, wave your hand over it, it changes colors. And it looks it looks freaking phenomenal. But uh, once I'm in it, 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 is, uh, it, is, it is a hell. I wish you'd wrestle in it. Ah, See a little side a little side note about that costume though is before the matches he makes us put the sequins on the same color so oh, I hate yeah. whenever he wears that thing. When, oh when my I pull gosh! It, out of my bag, it, it is a wreck. So yeah, you got to have it nice and clean. So so he's like a cat. You have to like pet with the grain to make sure it's all moving yeah. the same way. Yeah. I honestly oh, do. It's almost like we're lint rolling him. Larry, please. Yeah. A couple things come to mind. Well, one is I just – it just popped into my mind the first Zach Mosley match I saw at KLT versus Mike Jackson. And I thought, God damn it, this guy can get this match out of Mike Jackson. He's got something. That was was something else. Oh, yeah, Um, that was all-time Did he do something more than an arm bar? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you just bump like crazy for him. It was just, it was just, it was phenomenal. Um, so yeah, you're entertaining. Yeah, you got chemistry. But how do you account for the hustle? Because you guys hustle like nobody else. Um, I mean, I think, I think really for us, it's just like we'd that. rather wrestle than any than do anything else, really. So like. If we don't have something booked up, we're going to be looking to the last second to find something, you know. I mean, and not only that, it's like sharing your stuff on social media every day, editing that content, getting it out there, like making sure people can't forget about you even if they want to. Really shoving it yeah. down their throats. I mean, that's been our strategy. And, I mean, it seems to work. So people yeah. hear about and us think, all over the place. So, I think all three of us, you know, share the same dream and, 
you know, this, this business in particular, uh, if you don't absolutely love it, you know, it, it's going to be a tough time. Like, you're always hurt. You're always on the road. You know, there's a lot of a lot of down to it. But if you love it, that's part of the fun. And I think we all love it. It's the only thing we want to do. So um, Absolutely. We want to do it full yeah. time. We don't just want to be part time in it. Exactly. I mean, uh, for me... Here's the. I'm just going to break down each number of exotic. I think that they've shown the most, and then I want you to talk about whether you agree with me or. Does that make sense? Okay. So I'll start. I'll start with Zach. So Zach, I thought your biggest moment this year was absolutely depanting and humiliating Gary Lamb, and I know that's not what you guys were expecting. But I think that's when people overall in Georgia sort of took notice because Gary was used to being sort of like the perpetual bully, you know. He would just browbeat people and all that stuff. And there was something about that engagement that really introduced you to a whole different section of Georgia wrestling people. Um, Do you think that was your shining moment or do you think you had another that was bigger? I mean, I think that was a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, as soon as I seen <laughs> Gary's post, I was, like, rubbing my hands together. I was like, this can be a lot of fun. So I wanted to really make something out of it and not just let it be a couple of comments on Facebook. And then we thought of the idea to go down there in Canton and do that video. So, oh, I mean, yeah, I think that was definitely a moment when a lot of people who maybe hadn't seen our stuff had started looking at it. But... I don't know. I mean, I think we did a lot of great stuff before that. I think that just not as many people saw it until mm-hmm. kind right. of the Skrilla thing, the feud with Skrilla, and then mm-hmm. the thing with Gary Lamb. I think those two things were kind of what elevated my brand in other people's eyes a lot, for sure. Gotcha. Uh, Bryce, um, the, the, the fucking ladder match where you won the title at Coastal, um, I was, again – I, I just saw you in a different way after that, where I just went, like, this this guy can go, and he gets how to put a wrestling match together, and he, you know, you've got everything going on. Do you feel like that was the highlight of your year, or did something else happen that was even bigger? Yeah, I would say definitely that match um, was one of my highlights. I've got two, two moments uh, this year, that, uh, and one involves, like, a tag moment. Um, but definitely singles-wise, I feel like that uh, ladder match with Matt Odom definitely kind of put me in a different level in people's eyes and kind of made some guys respect me a little more, not just like, oh, this guy always takes it easy and all, only wants to be a gimmick. But once they saw, you know, I mean, as much blood as I lost that night, good God. Um, yeah. I, a, a lot of people in that locker room no definitely uh, respected me. Um, but the other moment that I would say, uh, and this was a tag match at GIPW, uh, would be with, uh, West coast Kings, Austin towers and Aaron black. We did a, uh, oh, yeah. a street fight. And, uh, I mean, it was just, it, the match was not only fun, but we beat the living hell out of each other. And like the, the crowd was in it from the time the West coast Kings came out to the time that we left the, uh, left the arena or went behind the curtain. Um, that one, those matches, they just had so much chemistry in them, so much story to them. And those are really yeah. the matches that I enjoy the most is with the ones that have build up to them. 
And it sucks because a lot of people haven't seen the buildup to that street fight with Aaron Black and Austin Towers where we kicked Concho out, brought Zach in, the feud between me and Aaron. Because me and Aaron Black, he was literally my first match in GIPW. And we had just built off that for three years now. And no one really knows about it just because, you know, GIPW doesn't have the eyes that it should really, in my opinion. Like they have right. the eyes with, uh, whenever, you know, everything about, um, you know, Pro Wrestling Illustrated and everything like that, mention them and all of this. But, I mean, in Sports Illustrated, excuse me. But, I mean, I'm just thinking of the magazines we've been in. But, um, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things that there was just a lot of buildup to, to those matches. So I'm really proud of those two moments. So definitely the latter match would uh, stand at the top for me. I definitely agree with Bryce a lot there, too, especially that, that tag match at JPW. I mean, I don't think it got nearly as much – attention is it warranted that was an awesome match i enjoyed that yeah um cornelius you can Temper still go Bile. back and watch it yes you can <laughs> on fight tv um, so mr mr Pepperbottom, um your shining moment was when i first met you guys um you had a great moment i thought when you guys faced the ugly ducklings where you know you and Big Mikey um, just had such great interaction, even though you weren't technically in the match. And I thought, like, man, this this guy's really got it. But it was really afterwards when we were all hanging out at that terrible bar um, where you actually, upon (laughs) my demand, upon my demand, I demand, Larry, I demanded many things of them. I'm like, oh, if you want that shirt, you can't pay for it. I was such a dick. I was just like, you can't pay for that shirt. You got to do this. And what did I do, do Steven? What did I do? And what did you do? You won. You had the best clip of super kicking one of the guys in the face, which made me fucking laugh. (laughs) Then, then you managed to get that shirt. And you got the number of the hot bartender waitress. So (laughs) at that point, I was like, this is wrestling. Um, Ain't no gimmick. That, uh, and no gimmick. So, was that the highlight of your year, or did you feel like you had a better one? Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe like after show shenanigans, probably. Um, by the way, Zach, I'm, the I sniffed the crap out of him on that super kick at the bar. By the way, so I apologize again. But. Uh, <laughs> It's all right. For the love of the business. It's better for the business, brother. It's better for the business. <laughs> yeah. Pro- yeah. Probably in-ring would be uh, the Duck House Brawl match. Um, mm. Making that my first match at IWE. and Because um, back when Exotic Youth started, like it literally started uh, September of 2020, and that was my very first match. So, like, I was, you know, green as you could be. And then Exotic Youth kind of took off. And, you know, I'm still as green as can be. So I was put in all these, like, big situations. So it was kind of like a sink or swim moment. So, you know, working my ass off pretty much every day for the past two years and everything. And uh, having that match was kind of a big deal for me. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, I, mean, I can hang. Just, just, to take a, just to take a step back, this is really Pepperbottom's first full year in wrestling. And he's already wrestled, you know, legendary tag teams like the Good Brothers. Like, and then his first match was with Robert Gibson. So, I mean, like, he was, he was built for greatness already. 
And I made Chick right. Donovan bump. I just want to throw that out there. You did that. We, yes, you, you did. did. Make you Chick squashed bump. his ass. <laughs> I squashed Chick Donovan in 34 seconds. <laughs> that was um, definitely and, the best moment. Actually, that's and, the highlight of my career so far. Let's change it to that. <laughs> um, and then can and then Candy, your highlight um, was for me seeing you work the table for the exotic youth at the last IWE show and being 10 feet away from Sonny, who's like the biggest sex symbol in pro wrestling history, unarguably. I don't think anybody could really argue that. And seeing her stare daggers through you because she realized that you were the best looking broad in the room and more people were interested in talking to you um, in the, than were interested in having a picture with her. Um, She's was, was that the highlight of your year or was there something bigger? <laughs> While that was great. <laughs> um, I think just uh, the, the whole Skrilla thing was it really – you know, brought me into working with Zach and being a part of, you know, a big constructed plan and carrying something out over a really long period of time and getting to watch them carry all that out and do all of that. I think that was probably my my biggest moment this year is working with everyone throughout all of that and carrying it out at so many places. Awesome. Larry, do you have a question? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a stereotypical one, but I got to ask, after the incredible year you had this year, where do you go from here in uh, 2022? Um, well, we've already stepped uh, down a bunch of dates. Um, <clears throat> a lot of places we've been before, a lot of new places, but we're trying to get on more places that have, like, IWTV and good production and things like that, just so we have more footage. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's our main goal for this year, um, at least for me. I mean, my goal is to not have a weekend off. I think we only had one off this year, um, but have three to four shows every week and get as much exposure with IWTV and then, like, really if we could break into the Northeast, the Midwest, that would be – that would be For kind sure. of what I want to do because I want to, I want to expand this year. I feel like we did a lot to conquer Georgia this year. I still want to have a big presence here, but I want to do a lot more outside as well and really more outside the southeast because we're already all over down here. So, yeah, I can yeah. I agree more. Absolutely. Yeah, I think everybody's so focused about being on TV, being on TV, being on TV. Yet, you know, you got you got to crawl before you walk you know you gotta put in those steps put in those miles and everything so we i mean i think that's our goal is to just branch out to more places than we already have make more debuts make like let everyone know who exotic youth is who cornelius pepperbottom is who zach mosley is who that who bryce cannon is it's it's not all about you know jumping on tv as quick as you can because that'll come in time that'll come when it's supposed to Right now, you yeah. know, I think it's all about marketing ourselves and everything like that. So I think, you know, you'll definitely see us on TV one day. It may be next week. It may be next year. But as for us, I mean, we're just trying to, you know, branch out to different places before all of that happens. Gotcha. So really, we're loving well, working in the Indies. We're loving the travel and everything. So we're in no yeah. rush at all. 
here's, survey here's the a, land. Here's a final thought because we're going to bring Joe Black on here in a moment. But before we let you guys like plug what you want to plug, I I think obviously you guys are going to be up for tag team or group of the year. That's clearly going to happen. But I think next year there's so many possibilities. Pepper Bottom for most improved. Uh, Candy Cannoli should be one of those names mentioned for female personality of the year, which is a category that I still feel like lacks. And I think she'd be a great sort of addition to that. Uh, I would love to see you guys have like a promo for promo of the year contention and a match for match of the year contention. Um, you know, I think all of those things are well within the grasp and even, you know, male performer of the year or hell wrestler of the year. If one of you has a great solo run somewhere. So I, you know, I'm, I'm, I just can't wait to map the progress, maybe even have you guys on same time next year, if not earlier, and see how it's gone, you know. I think it's going to be really great. Absolutely. And we yeah, appreciate well, the work you guys thing. do because writing up all the reports and putting out all the videos, the full disclosures and things like that, putting us out there more, that's helped us get more bookings and better places and stuff as well. So we love when you guys talk about us. Yeah. Well, another thing is like exotic youth is still technically new. It's like this is only our first full year together, and we've already made this much noise. Imagine what we can do when we have more meat on our bones together and everything like that. It's just, I mean, our goal is to be the biggest thing in wrestling. So, I mean, it's only up from here for us. Absolutely. So what uh, what do you guys got coming up in the immediate future, and how can people get a hold of you and see what you're doing and book you? So this Saturday, Christmas Day, we will be at WrestleForce in uh, St. Matthews, South Carolina. I think me and Pepperbottom might do an open challenge for the Tag Team Championships. We might give out a little gift. We'll see. There's no telling. But... Um, other than that, to book us, you can message us at Facebook, Exotic Youth, or any of our individual Facebooks. We also have our emails and all our information there, our links. And also, Pro Wrestling Tees, Exotic Youth, you can get your merch, represent. Yes. Yeah. Make some great stocking stuffers and Christmas gifts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're, the, We're the king of the merchandise. Uh, well, this has been a pleasure. Thanks a lot to all of you. And being so punctual, thanks. This has been great. <laughs> thanks, for having, Ooh, thanks, for, thanks having for having us. Excellent. Not your average hicks. <laughs> <laughs> Happy holidays, guys. Happy and girls. Happy holidays. Same to you guys. Thank you. Yes, Thank you. All right. Talk to you all later. All right. Talk to you later. Excellent. Let me see if I can handle the uh, board here. That's and man, they were all there at f- seven fourteen, ready to go. I loved it. I love it. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the youth being served, but I'm I'm ready to talk to the best right now. Yeah, I'm let's ready. See if I can. Uh, oh, I think we got him. I think this is it here. Okay, let's try. He is the 2020 Wrestler of the Year, and he's having quite a year in 2021. Mm-hmm. Joining us now, Joe Black. What's going on, guys? 
How you doing, champ? Can't complain. <laughs> um, I know Larry has a ton of questions for you. I just want to get mine in real fast. Tell me about this last weekend. Tell me about, um, you know, now it seems like you passing on, you know, you gifting somebody this necklace, you gifting that has become like as valuable as a championship to a lot of these guys and the perception of you as well. Um, how did that idea come about? And are you surprised at how over not only you are, but this, this notion of you kind of validating people at this stage of your career? Um, it came about, I'm, I'm a huge video game geek. And um, one of my favorite games as a kid was Street Fighter. And there's a character named Akuma who wears that beaded necklace. So doing more research into it, you have the warrior monks, Shaolin monks, if you will, who wore beads, and the number of beads indicated a different incantation or a different topic of prayer when they meditated. So mm. I kind of took that, and I wanted to put my own spin on it, you know, Akuma and Street Fighter's whole mantra was power made flesh. So I wanted to kind of take that and translate it the best I could in a real-world aspect. And if you see, you know, some of the obstacles that I had just last year and how I was able to move through that, I kind of yeah. took, like, this obscure ideology and I tried to make it as realistic as possible. And as Proverbs says, as a man thinketh. So I wanted to kind of create my own legacy, not so much so as I'm going to get on TV and I'm going to make millions of dollars. That's cool, but something that's almost like a, you know, you can pass a torch symbolically, of course, by saying, hey, this guy has it now, but I wanted something, you know, tangible. I wanted something that someone can feel, touch, and have as proof as, you know, I went to war with this crazy motherfucker, Joe Black, and, you know, <laughs> I survived it, and I have this as proof. Um, the first guy that actually got a pair was ACH after our match at um, AWE. Uh, he mm -hmm. beat me for the G, he beat me for the the crown, and um, I gave him a pair of my black ones. And I didn't it's I didn't really take it to mean anything other than you know you were the better man tonight. Here's the title. Also, here is this. It shows you know that warrior spirit. You beat me. So here you go. And ACH himself was actually like, you know, I'm going to give these back because it's, it means more than just kind of just than here, have this. He said it means something to you, so it needs to have meaning when you pass them on. So I kind of took that advice from him, and I was like, okay. And the first name that popped up is, you know, I really did quit wrestling in 2020, December. It wasn't a gimmick. You know, it wasn't, oh, let's build up interest. I was done. I was tired of working hurt. I felt like wrestling, you know, I proved my point. And then it just, I saw so many of these young guys, and it revitalized my vigor for wrestling, Proc the Croc being one guy, Timmy Lou Retton being another. And came back in May and then June, got in the ring with Timmy Lou Retton and had a match with him. And I was there when he first started training. The first day he stepped into a building and saw a wrestling ring and how his face lit up. I always considered him to be a student. So it's kind of like if you can go through war with me, this battle art type of, you know, of course we're going to do cool shit. It's still wrestling on the marquee. But 
I do things a little different. I want people to feel what I'm doing as if they're wrestling me themselves. I want them to see this energy is palpable. I want it to be felt around the, the arena wherever I wrestle. So that's why Brett Eisen got a pair. Um, that's why O'Shea got a pair back in the day. Um, it's just kind of like, you know, these guys represent what I represent. And it's really hard to put that in words. It's almost like it's just a spirit. And I feel like guys like Alex Kane and O'Shea and Brett and Timmy, they have that spirit. So that's – I didn't think it would be that big of a thing to where people are trying to challenge me and get them. Like, and seeing the response I got after, you know, Timmy and Mai's match at Viral and then the Brett match last weekend, this is messages. How do I get a match with you so I can earn a pair? And really? That's cool. It doesn't work like that, but thanks, I guess. So kind of took a life of its own, almost. You know, you used the word spirit, and I see being at that viral match with Timmy, there was a like a it's maybe feels seems strange to say, but there was a spiritual aspect to the match that was made it very unusual to me, um, and and really wonderful. Um, as was the second one that you had with Timmy. I, I'm I'm wondering about. You know, coming into 2021, you knew you were going to be sidelined for a while. And, you know, the pandemic recedes, wrestling's getting going full bore, and, you know, you're, you you can't be involved. I, I'm, can you tell us a little bit about your mindset during that time period? Honestly, and I know Dylan to this day doesn't believe it, but I was okay just watching the show from the side and, you know, going back through the curtain after every match for the guys who asked me to watch your match and kind of giving them my thoughts and my critiques, I was okay with that because in my mind, you know, the goal was never to get signed. Of course, it's a caveat. If it happens, cool, I'm not going to turn it down, but it wasn't my dream. My dream was to be a pro wrestler, and I did that. So in my head, you know, once you know, it's like a feeling. You know that this is it. And I felt that feeling for that moment. Like, it wasn't even just the injuries. It was just I felt a feeling of fulfillment. Like, I honestly felt like, you know, I accomplished what I set out to accomplish. I'm, I'm good. I'm okay walking away. There was, you know, there was no tears. It was almost just like a relief. Like, I think I've done everything that I can in this incarnation of Joe Black, I think that's good. So I was okay for the first couple months, you know, January and February. I was okay sitting there watching it. But then March came, and then every wrestler knows that itch you get when you take some time off and you're flirting with the idea of being done. Every wrestler gets that feeling where it's just something kind of prodding you like, you know, look, you know, there's David Ali. He's the guy now. You know, how does that make you feel? And, like, and then it's like an inner monologue. Like, I'm good with that. I'm good with David Ali being the guy. He's worked hard. He's clearly going to be the wrestler of the year, and he deserves everything that's coming, for, coming to him. But I'm a competitor at the same time. So in my head, it's like, man, if I was in the ring with David, I'd, I'd make him work a little bit harder than that. I'd make him feel it a little bit more than this guy is. Like, I'd push him a little bit harder than this dude can. And those voices multiplied, and then it got to the point where I was like, obviously I'm not done. There's obviously some more that I can contribute. And the idea stopped being, okay, I'm, 
I'm not signed. Why haven't I got a contract? I'm I'm kind of disenfranchised, maybe even edging towards being bitter, so I don't want to be around it if I don't love it. And I just let all that go. And I just came back for the pure love and fun of wrestling. And somehow 2021, like, I was gone half a year, but this has been the funnest year that I've had in pro wrestling bar none. Oh, that's and great, it's me man. not taking it super seriously where I'm just uh, super intense. I got to do th- It's just like, hey, man, I'm just trying to go to, to as many places as I can and work with guys I believe in and give them a the little bit of game that I have and pass on the jewels I got from guys like Carino and Booker T. And then I can go into the sunset. I haven't spread the message far enough now. It's just, it's just fun. It's amazing. Mm. You know, Joe, I mean, this might be overstating or oversimplifying it, but I feel like you continue to sort of evolve, right? It was like, you know, you learned the trade, and then you became really great, and then you rounded your game out. And, I mean, you know, your promos are the – I'll just say it, right? Your promos are the best overall, and your ring work is stellar, and it's exceptional. Um, Is there another evolution? that's going to happen, you think? Um, what's, what's, what's the next thing that you really want to feel uh, more comfortable with or an aspect of your game that you think you can add? I think you know what I'm saying. Like, what's next as far as that goes, since you do so many things well right now? I kind of, and I know a lot of these supposed badasses in wrestling, because God knows everyone's a badass and a tough guy in wrestling, Um, I know they're going to hear this and think, huh? But I kind of want to break this perception that I have where I'm this kind of, you know, I guess I'm I'm a killer. I'm I'm this and that. You know, everyone has this perception of Joe Black, and that's cool. I think I've earned as much because I'm an intense dude. But at the same time, as evidence at Southern Honor, you know, Owen Knight comes running out to make the save for Gary Lamb, and I run out of the ring. And I think it blew people's minds because, you know, this is the guy that was wrestling on a torn Achilles. This is the guy that, you know, didn't even let his leg heal up. And three months later, he barely get down three steps, but he's wrestling a full match. You know, this guy put somebody else through a windshield and he's running. And it was instantly almost like a switch where that perception of Joe, the absolute badass, was shattered. And now they're looking at me like, this dude is – I thought this guy was – and then it's like, now we're chanting for Owen. Like, we thought Joe was this. So I love that shit. I know a lot of guys think I have to hold on to this semblance of badassery. I have to be this guy. But if you look at guys like Stone Cold Steve Austin, he was a badass, and, you know, he's playing the guitar. He's singing a song. He's having fun. You know, and I just like the idea of, okay, now I'm going to have fun with this character of Joe has – found success, and success has made him soft, for lack of better description. You know, you, it's, you see it in hip-hop, Jay-Z. Jay-Z became a billionaire. His lyrics aren't as potent as if they were before he reached that billion. So now people look at Jay and they're like, oh, he's, he's kinda, he kind of fell off. But when you look at him, he's like, no, he's definitely not. He's making business moves into like 10 generations of his family line at this point. So how could he fall off because he – so I wanted to be that guy that come out in a suit, and they're looking at me like, this dude's wearing a suit. He has a cane. 
what is this? And the reason why is because too many guys are one note. If you, I watch movies. I, I, I did theater in school. I never want to pigeon my hole into something, pigeonhole myself into something. And I feel like yeah. the killer weight for the past five years has pigeonholed me into this badass killer, you know, this, that. And then when I show some personality, people always look at me like, you have a sense of humor? You're funny? You laugh? <laughs> like, I'm like, well, yeah. So I just kind of wanted to go that route because it's fun to me. Johnny Depp is my favorite actor next to Arnold Schwarzenegger. And if you look at Johnny Depp movies, like, that's pretty much what I'm going for. It's just straight up Captain Jack Sparrow. Um, I'm just here to have a good time. When things get serious, I might run away from it. Because now that there's no Joe the Badass, now we got another dimension. I don't mind it. It's fun. Because I know in real life I'm a badass, so I don't need to perpetuate an image in wrestling. So let's have some fun. I I think there are the two hardest things to pull off legitimately are being a badass and being vulnerable. Comedy and things like that, or really playing the part of a chicken shit heel, you have to, again, I, it's, I, I loved having you and Exotic Youth on the same show because I think that there's so many differences between you guys. But at the same time, you know, it's the guys that, like I told them, the thing they do better than anybody else is show their ass, right? Like they're willing to do whatever it takes to get a thing across. And exactly. in that way, you guys, your Venn diagrams do cross because you're able to get things across and attach value to things by your very presence. Um, so that's really awesome to hear. It's not an answer I was expecting, but it's, it's a great answer for sure. Uh, Joe, I'd like to back up a little bit to your um, promos. Uh, we've, we, you know, we've, uh, you've established that you're you're great at promos. I'm wondering a little bit about your your um, process. How, like, for lack of a better way, much is planned out and thought out, and how much is winging it when you, when you do a promo and just letting it flow. Um, the match of the year, uh, not match promo of the year that I got for the promo on Corey Hollis. Yeah. Uh, literally, me and my girlfriend, Shannon, I was like, I hit up Gary Lamb, I'm going to go record a promo. There was no Dylan. It was just Gary opening a dark building, turning on a light, and that was pretty much it. And she recorded the whole thing. And I didn't want to go into it and say, okay, I have to hit these bullet points. Because when I think of it as, you know, if I think of my promo in any sort of structure, it doesn't, resonate as well and that comes with a lot of the if you look at the old time vets who they don't plan their matches out it's hey i know the finish let's go out there and we'll just walk and talk it's because and i like that style because you can be more of yourself because you're not tied down to a set thought process of i have to do this and then i have to do that and that because the more you have to think about what you have to do it takes away from the feeling of what you're doing so I approach my promos kind of the same way. I know that I'm talking about Corey Hollis, and I know I'm talking about this huge title match. That's all I need. I know I'm kind of coming from the perspective of a Southern Baptist pastor. That's it. Everything else has to come from the top of the head. If I give it too much thought, I'm removing myself 
from my words. Now it's robotic. Now I'm just trying to remember, you know, okay, say this and make this point. And it feels more organic that way. And I think, and a lot of people have asked me the secret of my promo, and really it's just me talking. It's, there is no secret. I grew up in church. I love hip-hop. I watch battle rap. You know, like I said, I did theater in school. So a lot, of the, a lot of the things I do, you know, you learn how to pantomime. You learn how to just kind of, you know, improvise on the fly. That's why when I'm on a live mic and someone's heckling me, I can kind of switch my direction real fast in a split second, and now I have, I have a diatribe for this person. Then I can go back on the, the subject at hand. The more you think about something, the less you're in that something. Kobe just went out there and played basketball. So did Mike. If you, when you listen to interviews with the both of them, even Tyson, they speak as though, hey, I just went out there and I did what I do best. There is no, like, there's no mantras. There's no meditative states they try to get themselves in. It's literally just I'm just doing what I'm doing. And that's how I am with my promo works is, I know I'm a good talker. I'm just going to talk. When I think about your um, 2021 since you've been back, it's like one long highlight reel. Um, what <laughs> if are there any particular matches, particular moments that stand out in your mind since you've in 2021? Definitely the match with Timmy, the first one, because like I said, I I love that kid. Um, and I remember when he started and to see his growth into what he's become. And um, we had a moment uh, at viral during our, after our last match where I grabbed him and I brought him in close and I told him, go get signed. There's no excuse now. And it was a, it was a very emotional moment between the two of us because this is someone that, I saw the same something in Timmy or I see the same something that I saw in Cedric years ago. It's just like there's always been this 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 thing, this energy between Timmy and Cedric Alexander that was almost identical. And I can't really put my hands on it, but I told Timmy this, and I was like, there's no excuse. If you don't get to where you want to be, it's so, it's solely on you. You have all the tools. So that match from an emotional standpoint, all that emotion, Larry, that you saw in the match, that is yeah. 100% legit because I love the kid. Um, I love the match I had with David Ali at Southern Honor because David's another one of those guys where when he kicks it up a notch, but with him, it becomes – it's almost an exercise in futility if you go into it thinking, okay, I got to do this and because now David is – moving 1,000 miles, and you have to keep up with them, so it keeps you on your toes. It's almost like a freestyle battle in the terms of wrestling. You've got to always think, you know, five steps ahead, and I love matches like that. Um, I mean, I, I genuinely enjoy watching All-Star Special, and I, I hate admitting this because I hate giving Huckabee any props, and he'll tell you the same. But I don't know. It's just something about watching these guys come out. And that Huckabee's the same dude that, you know, cut himself to sign a contract in his blood. And now he's coming out. He's singing All I Want For You Is All I Want For Christmas Is You by, by Mariah Carey and dancing. And to me, I mean, that's entertaining as shit because this is another guy who realized, yeah, I can be a badass or I can have fun and still be a badass while I'm doing it. 
Um, the match with uh, the double cage warfare match at Southern Honor was fun because that was my first time in any kind of a cage structure in 13 years. So that was definitely an experience. Mm. I mean, Michael Judas, wow. I think, is the coolest motherfucker in Georgia independent wrestling, and I got to be in the ring with him, so that's always fucking cool. Um, yeah, I think those would be the definitely the top. This match with Brett Eisen was pretty special, too, because I've never wrestled at a wrestling show with no wrestling ring. But for some reason, that just made me even more hyped to do it because it's something different. Uh-huh. What, what's the promo of the year for you? Like, what's, what's one that you would feel confident if, if, if they said, okay, is it, is it Joe Black, Gary Lamb? Is it one of your many others? Like, what's the promo that you did this year that you feel like has, would have the best chance of getting votes if people watched it? I think what me and Gary did will probably be what I would pick simply because I'm usually the one in control and mastery of the microphone and I don't really get, you know, roasted. You know, it's never a daunting task, no matter who's holding the microphone. I don't care. I always come out on top. In that exchange, Gary came out on top, which instead of me coming back with some kind of witty retort or, you know, some tirade about, you know, whatever, whatever, like I just grabbed Gary and I was about to knock the shit out of him because he had me (laughs) flustered. So for me, I think that's cool because Joe Black is always, you know, the Shakespearean sonnet speaking, you know, poet laureate of wrestling, and he always has a response for something. And then Gary Lamb comes out of nowhere, who's actually a Southern preacher, and he, like, one-ups Joe Black. So to me, that made it special. It's a moment that I don't think anyone saw coming, like, yo, he he had Joe dead to rights. Like, he, he got in there, and he had some, some sword slices verbally for Joe. So I think that was definitely – that definitely is dope, but I'm also, if nothing else, I appreciate what everybody else does. Matt Hankins – Easily, the promo on All-Star Special, namely the stuff he said about Huck. I don't remember if it was the very first one he did or the second one as a response. But Matt Hankins, to me, has the promo of the year. Mm. Because this, Matt Hankins, is he's another guy that whenever he speaks, you listen. It doesn't matter what he's yeah. talking about. Yeah, absolutely. You just, he has command of of the language to where you're like, man, Matt Hankins is a, he posted a promo. Let me stop what I'm doing. And I literally, I think, um, hold my beer sent it to me. And I stopped what I was doing. I think I was at work. I was pricing something. I literally stopped what I was doing, put on my headphones because I had to experience this promo. And there's not a lot of guys that make me do that. But if it's Jeff G. Bailey speaking, I listen. If it's Matt Hankins speaking, I listen. You know, yeah. so I definitely, of course, I want to win promo of the year. But if I had to choose anybody else, definitely Matt Hankins, easily. Larry, please. Joe, if um, I'm, you obviously had a lot of great moments in um, AWE. And whether there's ever another AWE show or not seems questionable at this point. Um what are your thoughts on – what did AWE mean to you? What are your thoughts on AWE? 
Murder One was definitely one of the first people to like strap a rocket on my back and say, go out here and show them what I know you can do. He gave me matches against Eddie Kingston, multiple matches. He gave me matches against ACH, Simon Gotch, um, Jimmy Jacobs. He put me in a hierarchy, which gave me an opportunity to learn from Jimmy Rave. So AWE is the most important promotion I've ever worked for. Without Murder One and AWE and Chip Day and Jimmy Rave, I don't think I'd be at this position that I'm in now because I learned so much from those guys. Just watching Chip wrestle, I learned so much. Being able to talk to Jimmy and watch him wrestle all these guys that, whether it was Martin Stone or A.R. Fox, just being completely mesmerized by how easy he made it seem. And then, you know, just being able to believe from someone like Murder, like I'm bringing in this high top dollar talent and I'm giving him to you. That type of faith, you don't really – there's not a lot of that in, in large supply in wrestling nowadays. Um, usually when guys bring in a name, they bring in another name to work the name, which I always thought was an asinine practice, but it's your book, it's your money, do, do as you will. But Murder was always like, all right, I'm bringing ACH. You want to work them? Can you hang? And just having someone with that kind of faith in you. The first mm. matches I think me and Huck had was against the Carnies. And mm. – you know, yeah, yeah. for a murder to say, okay, you got this is your first booking, guys. Go out there with the Carnies, one of the best tag teams in the South. Let me see what you can do. It's just kind of like if there was no AWE, I don't think me and Huck would have nearly any of the prominence that we have now, and I don't think I would have ever even moved down here if it weren't for AWE. So I really hope AWE isn't done. I really hope there are more shows. I will be on every and any AWE show from now until the day I quit pro wrestling because I really feel like murder one is the reason why we're even having this conversation. Like it's, I think murder for that and AWE and Josh Willer and those guys were having that type of faith in all of us, not just me, everybody that was considered homegrown. Like they put us in positions where we can get better and learn and grow and there will never be another AWE. So hopefully AWE can come back and we can continue doing what we've been doing and other young guys can have that same advantage that I got. Last question. In light of his passing, your thoughts on uh, Jimmy Rave? Wrestling genius. One of, he's just, his mind was incomparable. The way he made things make sense to me. He simplified things that when I was working at Reality of Wrestling with Booker, you know, Booker had expectations, of course, for everyone on his roster, especially the ones of color. So Booker would tell me to do things certain way, and in my head it just didn't compute. I don't know why. It just – I couldn't make it make sense to myself. So I'd go out there and I wouldn't do it, and, of course, i get yelled at for it. And, I'm, and in my head, like, I really don't get it. And Jimmy would take that same thing and simplify it in a way that it almost made me feel dumb for not getting in the first place. It's just like he had this uncanny ability to take something that we can overcomplicate because, you know, wrestlers, we're we're artists, and we have a tendency to overcomplicate our work because we want it to be the best possible. We paint broad strokes. Everything has to be perfect. We've got to color inside the lines at all times. But Jimmy had a way of – breaking things down 
and making it make the utmost sense. He had a way of saying, hey, you're Jimmy Rave approved, and that can make you feel like the coolest motherfucker in the world. Like when I got that that notification, it was a, it was a, a status he posted, and he was posting a bunch of people's names of about being, you know, that they are Jimmy Rave approved, and I saw, you know, Anthony Henry and Chip Day and Corey Hollis. And I'm just reading it, not expecting anything, then I see my name. I can't tell you how awesome that was. That guy believed in me a lot more than I ever believed in myself, and I know I'm not the only one that, uh, excuse me, um, I'm not the only one that he made feel that way. He made me feel like I actually could have a future in this. So, I mean, uh, the love and respect and admiration I have for Jimmy Rave cannot be it, I mean, as poetic as I am, I, I really I have no way of, you know, voicing how much Jimmy Rave meant to my career and uh as my and my growth as a as a wrestler, as a person. So, um yeah, much love for Jimmy Rave. All the love for Jimmy Rave. Well, Joe you're probably going to be the, the close of the year for the tipping point here. And it's been just, uh, it's been a crazy year and an eventful year. Um, where are you going to be? Where can we catch you soon? And um, yeah. And how can people get a hold of you? Cause I know there's got to be places all across this country and maybe in other ones that are going to want to book Joe Black. So how do people get a hold of you, and where can we find you soon? Joseph Black Cloud on Facebook. Shoot me a message. I'm very receptive. Black Cloud JB on Twitter. Um, I will be at Anarchy on Christmas Day because I have to, you know, beat the shit out of Proc once again and his program team members with the <laughs> Undeniable, which, I mean, that is that match is going to be bonkers. Yeah, that's uh, huge. Then, that is huge. And then Southern Honor on the 7th of January. I got IWE on the 8th. I know who my opponent is. I don't know if I'm supposed to announce it or not. Steve, I'm sure you know who my opponent is as well. It's somebody on that poster, and it's going to be – I don't like the term banger. I despise it. It's going to be a really damn good <laughs> match. Um, and then, you know, I got a Southern Fried debut – not debut. I got a Southern Fried booking coming up. Um, that will probably be announced at some point also in January, and then I'm at SVW against Austin Towers in February. I'm, I don't know if I was supposed to announce that, but I did. So um, I'm already pretty busy. So definitely Great. I'll be a little bit everywhere. <laughs> well, I have a good feeling that we'll be talking to you again very soon in January. <laughs> but... Um... <laughs> But man, you've been you just you've just been killing it and you know, I I joked with you know, a couple of guys when we did the Jimmy Rave tribute show, you know, that we're the old men now ace and you know, you're you're kind of evolving. You're in your prime clearly, but now guys are looking to you and I'm glad they are. You know, we have a bunch of you know, the term black excellence gets thrown around but my God, I mean, you know, you, Ali, you know, Huckabee, so many other guys, the Overkill guys, I mean, my God, it's just, I hope you're proud 
of what's going down that you're such a big part of because you should be because it's it's incredible it's incredible definitely thank you joe thank Thank you you guys for having me absolutely enjoy the holidays yes well larry um, what a kick-ass show. What kick-ass guests. Mm-mm-mm. You're going to be in Chi- you're going to be in Chi-Town, baby. Yeah, chilling. <laughs> chilling. Actually, it's not going to be that bad for Chicago. It's going to be quite reasonable for Chicago. I'm not no 0 degrees, no snow. I kind of going to kind of miss that in a way. So, well, you're going to be there. Um, I'm obviously going to be here in Florida. And you know what uh, that Anarchy Christmas Day show means? It means that nominations are going to come to an end because that is the last official show in Georgia of the year. Um, Thank you for the cue. Yeah, Sunday, what is that going to be? Sunday the 26th at mm -hmm. midnight. And I'll post this on GWH, but that is going to be the deadline for nominations and boy thanks to those who've sent them in this is year we've gotten more nominations sent in than any year before but there's still time and i want to put this out there to make sure people understand if the committee does not get a nomination for somebody in a category we cannot advocate them for them and put them on the ballot true does that make sense so you can pour in a hundred nominations for the same person but that's not nearly as useful at this stage in the game because again more people have put in nominations than we've ever gotten and we don't decide who the three to five entities are per category by just the sheer amount of nominations they get that factors in but if we don't get a nomination, because we had a couple of, we had that come up a couple of times last year, right, Larry, where, mm-hmm. you know, we would float a name out there for like, I'll just think specifically, Amy Haven for female personality of the year, but she didn't get a single nomination. So we, we couldn't even consider it. So if there's somebody who you think could deserve a, a nomination, by all means, you're allowed to have three per category, right, Larry? That's right. Get them in there. And if, and if they, you feel like, well, this is kind of an unusual one, that's exactly the one that you should send in, if that makes sense. So make sure you're doing that. Make sure you get your nominations in by the 26th, if you haven't done it already. And, Larry, you have a wonderful trip to Chicago and a wonderful holidays, and we wish that for everybody listening to this. Um, yeah. It's going to be great. You, what a, same, what a, same to you. What an insane year. My God. Just in general, madness. <laughs> but make sure you're checking, checking out gwhnewsandnotes.blogspot.com for all that's hot, all that's going on. Uh, special thanks to Joe Black and the Exotic Youth um, for being on. What a great way to end the year. I know Larry wanted to do this for a very long time, so I'm glad we got to get it in in 2021. And here's to a great 2022. And thanks for joining us. And we'll see you soon on The Tipping Point.
We thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.